You're listening to How to Grow Your Fitness Business, a podcast from FitNation. These audio files are taken from our FitNation Lunch and Learn webinars, where we interact with the top players in the fitness industry. You can expect to find key learnings from coaches to co-founders. So please make sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss an episode, and together, we can help grow your fitness business. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of FitNation. Today, we have a panel discussion where we're going to be talking about big technology's impact on the fitness industry with players like Apple, Google, Peloton, all taking their claim at the, at the market. This can leave a gym owner or a studio owner or even a personal trainer wondering, how am I supposed to compete with this? And so FitNation stands for innovation and inspiration. So today we're super excited to have four industry leaders talk about some of the impacts that uh, these big technology can have on the future, as well as what you can do in order to be able to prepare your business and compete. And so we'll see you on the other side. Welcome everybody to this panel discussion. The agenda is gonna be as follows. First, we're gonna start off with introduction and welcome. We'll then kick into the questions that we have for the panel and some in-depth conversation on those questions. Uh, following that, we're going to go into some of the audience questions that were submitted. And lastly, we'll finish with some concluding comments uh, where we'll ask each of the panelists to sum up something that they have learned or taken away from the conversation. So joining us for today is Stefan Wild, Digital Experience Manager at Life Fitness. <clears throat> Additionally, joining us is Hugo Brahm, CEO of Virtual Gym. Hi, everybody. Also joining us is Avram Amakis, CEO of Climber. And last but not least, we have Andrew Coleman, Senior Director of Technology and Business Development at Matrix. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Great. So let's go ahead and, and start with some, uh, some in-depth uh, introductions to you guys to get to know your backgrounds a little bit more. Andrew, I int uh, introduced you last, so let's go ahead and start with you first. Yeah, thanks, Kaylin. Uh, Andrew Coleman, been with Johnson Health Tech for about 17 years now. Johnson is a leading provider of fitness equipment to both the retail and commercial business segments. We manufacture, manufacture excuse me, under the Matrix brands, Vision brand, and Horizon brand of equipment. My current role, I oversee uh, technology product development and business development, really focusing on strategic partners um, for the Matrix brand of products, both home and commercial. Thanks, Andrew. Hugo. Yes, thanks, Galen. Hi, everybody. I'm Hugo Bram, co-founder and CEO of Virtual Gym, a technology company in the in fitness space, and we provide the management software combined with industry-leading coaching and engagement uh, uh, solutions. Thanks, Hugo. And Avram, kicking off to you. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So I'm Avram Elmikis. I'm the founder and CEO of Climber. Uh, my former background is as a serial entrepreneur, building a lot of uh, different businesses in different spaces, but excited to introduce a new uh, connected fitness modality and be part of the health and wellness sector. Thanks, Avram. And last, Stefan? Yeah, Stefan Wild. I'm the digital experience manager for continental Europe, mostly that region and Benelux. Life Fitness is a um, mainly um, industry providing a manufacturer for fitness equipment under the brands Life Fitness and mostly uh, Cybex. 
and with an open platform to support our customers in the best possible way, let's say getting the digital way and connection to the equipment. Sounds great. Thanks, everybody. So maybe for uh, for starting off, Andrew, we'll we'll start with you on this this first question. Uh, these are going to be pretty uh, pretty broad, so uh, hopefully we can have a nice discussion on some of these. But the first one is, in your opinion, what what is the future of the total user experience, both at home and in the facility? It's, it's a great question, and it's extremely timely. I think anybody can admit and agree upon the fact that COVID's probably accelerated uh, the digitization of fitness by five to 10 years. Um, you know, I think our perspective is that, that really the, the idea of needing boundaries such as four walls to be tied to a club, as an example, it, it's probably not as, as required as it once was in terms of what people's expectations are. And so we really see it as the future of fitness is, is really kind of going where the user's going, right? And, and whatever that means and, and trying to meet them wherever they are uh, on the end user side. But really from our perspective, we view it as an opportunity to help amplify you know, our commercial customers, whether it be a club or, 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 or a Y or whatever, um, really try to help amplify their brand and their reach to, to get into people's homes, to get into people's pockets and to follow them wherever they might be uh, and really allow the fitness experiences we've seen over the last 10 or 11 months to, to kind of happen anywhere. And, and just because it, you know, is happening in somebody's basement doesn't mean that it doesn't have to happen with somebody at a facility, if that makes any sense. And so there'll absolutely be offerings such as Avram's uh, and what he's brought to market, which is a great, great product. Um, but there's still very much going to be a focus on helping customers, you know, that commercial space and bringing it into the home and various methods, if that makes any sense. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. And uh, Avram, I'm, I'm curious, uh, in your perspective, what are some of the things within there that, you know, you see some similar and or maybe, uh, and additionally, uh, some of the things that you see, see a bit differently? Yeah, no, uh, thank you. And, and Andrew, I think, uh, made some in, in, incredibly, uh, you know, valid points there. I think it's, it's really about optionality for the consumer and allowing them to uh, experience their fitness wherever they wherever they would like. And so uh, as a manufacturer at Climber, we're, we're supporting our commercial uh, partners and, and helping them figure out how to, you know, bring things online. And for folks at home, uh, providing a you know, kind of a rich digital experience uh, that can happen in home. But I'm a big believer in uh, both uh, and and that, you know, people love being around people and, and that gyms will uh, resurface because I think nothing really takes the place of um, human interaction in the community uh, that, that's built in the commercial spaces. Great, thanks, Avram. And then maybe going into the uh, to the to the next question, uh, definitely related. This one I'll uh, start with Hugo, and then if anybody wants to jump in afterwards, uh, feel free. Uh, the question Hugo on this is, wh what is the how is technology changing consumer needs and demands? Yeah, so. I, I think technology in, in fitness has been around. Obviously, now with COVID, 
the 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 whole uh, digitalization uh, digitization of, of fitness is kind of in the spotlights, especially in the, in the home experience. But it has been happening for a long time. Uh, consumer fitness apps uh, have been uh, uh, widely popular and 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 already the fastest growing category in the in the app store for the last couple of years so well before covid uh, so i think what happens actually that now with covid it was actually the gym industry who, who have been really behind who needed to catch up with with consumer demand and uh, uh, i i think what it did now also lead to is that now now we have been forced as an industry to to make technology an integral uh, integral part of our services that Moving forward, consumers will will expect this to uh, to to remain part of the uh, the experience. Um, and um, yeah, if if you look at what the, the benefits of of, of technology, uh, I think some of the things are uh, basically uh, getting service twenty four seven. Right, it doesn't stop the moment you uh, you walk out of the the the, the gym facility. Uh, no, you can you can do workouts at home. You can get coaching uh, uh, on your couch. You can select your personal trainer you want to work out with uh, the next week uh, from the comfort of your home. So I think that's that's a big part, basically twenty four seven service. Um, and another uh, part is is hyper personalization. So what you see currently with many of the models in the fitness industry within the price point. Uh, of a membership, it's really not possible to provide this personalization uh, uh, unless it's it's personal training, right? So what technology is going to enable us as an industry to provide large groups of people who cannot afford personal training to get that personalized experience. And technology is going to do that. Technology is going to make that uh, efficient and affordable for everybody. Um, which I think is super exciting, not just for the uh, the end user, but also for us as an industry, because I think it's really going to help us. Uh, uh, yeah, what I always say, fix the product of fitness. Um, and sometimes I like to make bold statements like, product of fitness is is broken. If you look at the retention rates, many people after joining a gym, they, they stop coming within the first three months. That's a big issue. That's our biggest challenge, I think, in the issue of uh, in the industry. And and I think technology is the key to uh, to solving this. So uh, I think, uh, um, yeah, all in all, very good developments for, for, for our industry. Yeah, let me piggyback off that, Hugo. I think you said some really poignant things there and, and I tend to agree. You know, I've said for a long time, because as a manufacturer, we, we've we've dipped our toes into the digital space as, as you know, Stefan's organization and as well as Avram's. But, you know, I think there was the reality in the commercial side of the business for a long time where, where, where operators looked at technology as a, they didn't have to have it. If they had it, it was a value add that provided a, a workout tracking solution. It provided a, an opportunity to point to something flashy during a, a prospective member's tour as a sales tool. I don't think they viewed it as a necessity, not all, I don't want to generalize, but not all, uh, didn't view it as a necessity for how to extend the business forward. And there's so many analogies throughout the world right now, right? I, I like to use the analogy of the restaurant business. So many restaurants have pivoted to, you know, here in the US, Eat Street, DoorDash, Uber Eats, that, you know, where my wife and I might've went out to dinner 
once or twice a year to, to, to get out and enjoy an experience away from our children. We're now using those services to bring that experience home. It's different, but that's where the restaurant industry is, is struggling. It's created and really amplified. And it's also the thing that I think is analogous to, to our space is it's brought DoorDash, Uber Eats and the, and the like have brought restaurants to people that may not have tried them, right? And I can tell you with, you know, hand on the Bible, I've tried more restaurants during COVID than I had in the previous five years combined because we're looking for a distraction, looking for something different. We're looking for something to look forward to on the weekend. We're ordering from places around town that we'd never have ever thought of trying before. And I think if you look at what, fitness technology is doing to operators to go back to the retention concern you have Hugo I think it's opening up and creating a wider funnel and what I mean by that is is it's bringing potentially fitness and what a, an, a, an operator a club a commercial operator it's bringing what they can offer to a larger audience and so we, we, we're constantly fighting churn as an industry but one of the other things is we're trying to fight against and compete with the couch or the movie theater, or people shooting baskets outside at the local park, we now have all these tools and facilities and operators have been forced to adopt these tools because they've had to in order to keep revenue coming in. But I think long-term, it extends it's, it extends the reach. You know, lo local facilities here by me, if they go digital, they don't have to worry about attracting from the three square miles around their club anymore. They can now put together programs that might reach 30 square miles, 300 square miles, because they've got a differentiated approach, which means more members. It's more revenue, it's more opportunity for, for people. So this is absolutely a bump in the road for the industry, but I'm confident that with what's happening in the, in the shift, it'll actually be a pivotal moment that's, that's used and saw, you know, seen and thought of as a springboard to bringing fitness to more people. And actually there is a quite interesting point on what you said, Andrew, and I'm, I'm not, actually agree to almost everything you said, but there's even a, a kind of cultural difference between US and, and Europe, right? While most of the European fitness market is, is no matter the, the fee, mainly based on service, and but not being a mature market actually, in a certain way, failed to deliver what was promised, which led to these huge, uh, let's say, um, reten huge retention. Now, all of a sudden, it's, uh, what, what happens now is it, people start realizing that for the first time, there are tools that offer the, the possibility to actually deliver what was promised. Because if, 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 if I sell uh, something to an end user, to a, to a gym member saying, you get a service several times a year and, and, and the recurrent call or whatever, however the structure may be, and you simply fail to have a tool that allows you to, let's say, actually deliver what was and, 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 and deliver what was sold, you will simply fail, which is obvious, right? And now all of a sudden they are getting tools and and uh, let's say in many on many layers, um, tools are offered to actually support for the very first time and then a proper deliver a delivering of of service that is promised from the industry. Great. One thing I want to I want to jump in on as well. I think it's a perfect segue into the following question: Is Andrew, you mentioned that in uh, you have gone to more restaurants now than than you've ever had, and I think that's a great example of how uh, your personal cons consumer needs are, are are changing. And we 
talked a bit about how consumer needs within the fitness industry are changing as well. With those changes uh, coming up and thinking about how they're going to manifest in the long term, uh, this question uh, I, I'd like to direct to, to, to Avram. Who do you uh, who are are the major consumer personas that gyms and studios uh, should potentially be targeting? And maybe a little bit of context uh, context on that. Do you imagine that gyms should uh, will need to have personas that every, consider that ninety percent of everybody is going to have an Apple Watch or a wearable when they're coming in? What what is that? What is the gym goer or the fitness enthusiast uh, of the future look like? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, the world we live in now, it's, it's really all about connectivity and connection. And I think the vast majority of users are, are uh, using wearables, no matter what type of equipment or gym, whether it's at home or in the facility, um, that's kind of standard admission to the game. I think that the real opportunity here is really around content, right? And you have content that's compelling um, in your in your particular organization, and is that compelling to a local demographic, a regional demographic, a global demographic? And it's something we think about uh, frequently because you know when we think about connected devices, a lot of times the the idea is, hey, we have this film studio, and we shoot these particular people with the expectation and the hope that those people resonate with this huge you know, ultimately this huge population of people. Um, what I've learned, um, you know, we, I've been fortunate to have Chad uh, Hurley on our board who, who founded YouTube uh, and ran that company. So great experience in content, creation of content and, and subsequently the distribution of it. Um, and I think where we'll see this go is the consumer really, uh, you know, deciding who they like based on you know their own avatar of, of what they and they might want somebody that um you know that's hyper focused on what they do versus kind of what i'm attempting to you know push out so i don't know if that uh you know really answers that question but i see i see in a you know i, I see the the connectivity increasing and i see the puzzle really unfolding um, in terms of how content is created and ultimately distributed. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think what I took away from that is, uh, is that the connectivity and, and, and the content are going to be what, what people are going to be more and more hungry for going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody else uh, see it a little bit a little bit differently? Go ahead and jump any uh, jump in as far as any other major consumer uh, trends that are going to be be coming up. We've already talked about that. This is an opportunity for this uh, these types of movements in order to grow the space uh, overall. Are there any new personas maybe that don't even exist now that are going to be available to gyms and studios to be able to capitalize on? Or are we looking at the same 17% of people who are already uh, gym goers already and, and the industry seems to be fighting over all the time? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to oh, say something ahead. to that because, uh, um, no, sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, yeah, I think actually uh, another thing that what technology is doing it's it's that it's creating easy access to the the sport of fitness. So you're currently seeing uh, uh, many providers, including some of the big tech like Apple with their uh, Fitness Plus solutions, 
they're they're moving into people's uh, uh, living rooms with this easy to use, easy accessible uh, uh, home fitness solutions. And what that is going to do, it may be a substitute for for some of the people that are going to the gym, but I'm not really afraid of that because uh, an in-gym experience is really something different than than working out uh, uh, at home. Um, what I, I what I think it, that it's mainly going to do is it's going to get more people in touch with the sport of fitness. It it will have this very big group, the 80% who never went inside uh, the gym, who maybe not uh, are not feeling comfortable yet. Uh, it will give them the opportunity to try it out, to get excited, maybe to to build up confidence. To then say, hey, I love uh, spinning at home or I love doing uh, body pump at home, uh, but now I want to try the real thing in the fitness facility. So what I think is actually uh, that it will result in a, in a growth of the, of the, of the club industry uh, as well. So and I think that's, that's really a, a, an exciting uh, development. That was exactly what I was going to say. And it goes back to my previous point that I don't know if I could at least define a persona, Kalen, because I think that in a lot of cases, we're, we're going to be, this technology is going to allow fitness to go in, into so many more people's lives that there are personas out there that I, I couldn't put a definition on. But my guess is there will be more different. And, and like I said, the funnel will get larger in terms of more people will be brought into you know, our industry, whether it's in their living room or in the gym, I think ultimately three, five, 10, however many years down the line, we'll see this, like I said, as a springboard where the overall industry grows because there's so much more choice. It's so much easier to consume. And there's so much variety that to me, it goes back to the old adage of it's, it's really, everybody wants choice because what I like may be completely different than what Hugo or Stefan or, or Avram likes, different than what my wife likes. But if we're providing choice, and it's easy for people to access, you've taken that friction out of the, the transaction and it's more available to people. Yeah, and if you look at it from the bigger perspective, because we, we just speak about fitness in particular, but there is a bigger picture. If you look for health, for, for instance, if you see that even um, health insurance companies start providing apps that leading to more and, and dedicated move and, and movement and, and, and let's say, a certain kind of treatment for for various uh, situations. It actually it's all the the, the tiny the, the hints and pieces that are all of a sudden they fall together and create a picture that's far bigger to what uh, what it actually was at the beginning of before COVID actually right. Def definitely, uh, and. Continuing along the conversation on this, so as we go forward within this new this new landscape, Stefan, maybe you can can uh, can share your opinion on what do you think are going to be some of the most effective marketing strategies that gyms and studios will be able to employ in order to be able to attract new new customers. Actually, the current stage were let's say what I experienced in the past weeks and months is actually be very consistent, even let's say for free content you share. So at the current stage is the, the best and only way to be in touch with, with your own customers, but also to, and, and, and the, I like Andrew's um, example on the restaurant because it, it, it's, it's, so, it's a, such a good one actually, right? And all of a sudden we, we recognize that members are using this kind of content to work out 
together with family members that ne have never thought on going to a gym before. So actually it's a, let's say, share your content, be, be precise in what you do, be consistent with your overall message when, in the content you share. And it's, it's, it's gonna work, um, let's say at least much better than doing nothing, right? I'm just a little bit quiet in case anybody else wants to jump uh, jump in on that one. Otherwise, I'll. Yeah, I, I would just say very briefly. I think it's, you know, the the pivot is going to happen towards the omni-channel experience, right? So if we think about uh, the world that that exists today, let, let's use Best Buy as an analogous uh, example, right? You've got these brick and mortar locations. Uh, the idea is is that you have to go there to buy it. And then take it home, and and they're they're a beautiful example, in my opinion, of a company that's executed the pivot flawlessly. So they've maintained all of those physical locations while becoming this incredibly successful e-commerce company. And so I vision things to happen much like that, where you've got the ability for the gym to be a showroom for potential purchasing. You've got the gym to be the center of community to get people moving. You've got the gym to be the content film studio for further distribution and consumption. Um, and so from my standpoint, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful time because it's a time where more value is created, um, you know, in, in really every, every, every direction. And, and I think to, I believe it was Stefan said earlier, uh, I, I think, you know, the, the pie is going to expand um, you know, pretty rapidly. And for, for folks that are willing to, uh, you know, think about the future and really want to be a part of that, there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity to, to really manifest success with physical spaces. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's super interesting. And I, I think that the example of, uh, of Best Buy Executing the the hybrid model is is great, especially if you look at you know other business models that didn't uh, fare well, like Radio Shack uh, going out of out of business in comparison. And I think another uh, another uh, uh, common visual that a lot of people share within within their uh, their presentations whenever they talk about dig, uh, digital disruption is they'll always present Netflix in comparison in comparison to Blockbuster as well. And we're kind of talking a bit about that in in this conversation here. But with that 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 uh, this kind of disruption, uh, and you guys are saying that it's going to grow the pie overall. However, there's going to be uh, potential uh, blockbusters and and uh, who are going to be at risk. Um, so um, maybe we can take this one to 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 you, Andrew. Is are there any business models that you believe are most at risk to this uh, to this disruption? It's a great question. You know, I think to kind of give a, a, a bit of a generic answer here, the ones that are at risk for disruption are the ones that are unwilling to change. Because I think every organization out there, and it seems, it seems easy, it seems like a cop-out, but realistically I've had the benefit of, of the last 10 months, especially early on, there, were a, there was a lot of downtime for a lot of customers. And it was really easy to get in contact with a lot of customers all over the world and have conversations that maybe you weren't able to have when, when things were running and hot and heavy. But what I've really been so 
kind of awestruck with is, is how quickly so many organizations of various sizes and shapes and, and offerings have been willing to pivot on a dime. Everything from cleaning and disinfecting to changing their business models, the rapid adoption of digitization. And so it, it, it seems like a cop out of an answer, but I think the ones that are gonna be left behind are the ones that refuse to adapt to the new world. And what I've seen and, and what I've you know had the pleasure of interacting with customers is most seem to be pivoting quickly. And, it, and it's really been pretty inspiring to see that we've, we've all been faced with such a challenge and so much creativity has, has spawned out of it. And so I can't give you a direct answer because I don't know, um, but realistically, uh, so much growth has come from it. There will be folks in, in, in organizations and, and business models that are left behind, but I don't, within our industry, I can't point to a blockbuster because everybody that I've had the fortune of speaking with has been aggressive enough and had enough foresight to realize, hey, we need to change because if we don't, our doors are closing. And, and, and so, yeah, kind of an easy out, but it's, uh, it, it's what my experience has been over the last 10, 11 months. Yeah, perhaps if I can add to that, uh, Andrew, I, I think the comparison kind of with uh, the Blockbuster and, and Netflix, is, it's not the, the, the right one. Um, I, I would rather like to compare the fitness industry with cinema, right? So it's, it's basically, you can watch a movie at home using Netflix, or you can go to the cinema and you get this whole experience with popcorn, uh, sitting with other people. And I think that's really uh, the, 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 dif the difference for, for the, the club experience. And guess what? Despite Netflix, uh, revenues in the cinema industry keep rising every single year, right? So um, again, I, I think that, uh, that the, the at-home experiences they're not gonna replace is going to be part of the spectrum. And I think many people will be consuming both. So they will want to make uh, a use of at-home experiences, uh, uh, either delivered through the gym or as a separate service, and they will keep going to, uh, to, to ink lobsters. And I, I totally agree with, with Andrew. It's about always adapting it. If you find out as a, as a, as a club that th certain things aren't working well, you need to change what you're doing. And when, when the budget change uh, entered the industry, suddenly also everybody woke up uh, realizing I can charge 50, $60 without providing a difference compared to just having a room with machines, right? That what the, the budget chains were doing. So as long as you keep, keep on the lookout and keep in touch with what your customers are doing and, and adapting as you go, I think uh, you'll be fine. Awesome. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe switching gears a little bit and taking this question to, to, to you, Hugo. So when I'm, when I'm looking out at some of this disruption that, that is happening, it, it's, it seems to be happening in a couple of different areas. You have a low price point connected fitness play that uh, uh, big players like Apple and Amazon with Halo are, are, are tackling, but then you have another another one as well, which is a much larger uh, uh, price point play as well with Climber and, and Peloton as well. Maybe what we can do is split it up in into two par uh, parts of the conversation, but starting with the first one, what do you think will be the impact of some of these lower price point connected fitness plays by the larger players be on the industry overall? 
Um, yeah, as, as mentioned, I, I think it's just lowering the threshold for, for getting access to, uh, to, the, to the fitness experience. So I think as, if, it's, it's, if it's getting so, so cheap and uh, also part of, of certain uh, member, other membership packages, chances are that people will try it out uh, um, and, and get excited. And again, I think that's going to, uh, to grow the industry. So I wouldn't be too, uh, too afraid of, of that. I, I, I do wonder in how far the, the high uh, price point of, uh, of companies like, like Peloton uh, are sustainable with now multiple uh, competitors uh, entering in the market. I mean, general, uh, when, you're, when you're looking at uh, uh, product pricing, you, you often see in, in various markets, there is a segmentation uh, uh, with, with low end and high end. Uh, I think Apple products are, are, are super overpriced, yet they're doing extremely well. So high price also kind of creates a, a high experience, e even though it's maybe not necessarily a better product than, than Android, uh, for, for example. Um, but yeah, I, I guess time will uh, will have to tell how uh, how that uh, that plays uh, plays out. It, personally, I'm super uh, impressed by the fact that they can charge a gym membership for for a digital service at home, and I think that's only only positive to see that people are willing to uh, to, to 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 pay that. So awesome, Stefan. Did you did you unmute yourself? Wasn't sure if you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, that's. And I, I would just agree to you because at the end of the day, it's uh, uh, speaking about Peloton. It's 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 just cycling more or less, right? It it's, it sticks very much to a to a sorry for that boring kind of exercise because most people hate stationary CV CV uh, work um, workouts. So it's it's a quite it's a quite interesting approach, and I I would absolutely to to agree to what Hugo said. So there will be a differentiation and. Uh, in the segmentation for sure. Maybe a, a piggyback on, on that same question. Do you think that this changes uh, at all price? And this one's generally for everybody. Do you think that these these price points changes the price sensitivity of what a consumer is willing to, uh, to pay in a similar way that uh, when uh, SmartFit and also Planet Fitness and these other, other players grow into different markets change the price sensitivity as well? I said I think in general you could just say mention it in a, in a most proper way. Once you start some with something new, there's always somebody first who defines the price and the quality of the product, and then the the longer the business model could can evolve, there will be let's say com competitors and and let's say hybrids and 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 uh, let's say changes of the model that lead to differentiation and uh, different price uh, price points so that's for me it's just a, a question of time yeah, I think this is very much uh, like a market marketing uh, economics uh, class uh, almost yeah uh, in the end it's all about uh, segmenting yourself from your competition right so so you see in any market basically some people they create something what they call so exclusive and they make it so expensive uh, that people are willing to to pay for it and on on the lower side you have uh, you have the the super budget value for money solutions 
that that can scale typically pretty uh, pretty good and and there's a lot in between but i think as long as you as you really look at who is my customer uh, and, and you focus on that and you and you fit the pricing to their budget you uh, again uh, i think can can build a successful business around that I think it's interesting. And I actually, you know, Aram would want to hear your take on this because you look at Sony televisions, right? When they came out with the first flat screen TV so many years ago, they were selling those for $35,000, $38,000 a piece. I can walk into a local department store and buy a flat screen 1080p, you know, TV for 120 bucks. And I can go in and buy a really high-end flat screen, 85-inch OLED TV and maybe pay six grand. So things do change as componentry and technology advances and things become commoditized. But when we look at the content space, you know, I think what Apple's doing and their following and their price point is really interesting in terms of, you hate to see the C word, right? But commoditizing content. And so Avram, I, I think it'd be interesting to get your perspective on this because Peloton's created this market, and I think they very intentionally went in at a per month price point that's amenable or akin to that mid-tier health club offering in the U.S. of 39, 40 bucks a month. You have competitors that have come into the market, and Apple's, you know, from a pricing perspective, is fairly low on the on the spectrum. You've got others in the middle in that 10 to 20 dollar a month range. You know, Peloton definitely got the first mover's advantage and kind of set the bar, right? But do do you feel kind of being in, a, in, a, in an inter interesting niche there, what do you think will happen with the price of content? Because I believe we're going to see things get to the point, and we already see it. And your board member, right, created YouTube. I can get some pretty compelling stuff on YouTube, and it doesn't cost me a dime. Doesn't have some of the same interactivity that you might have with some of the other offerings out there. But where do you see it going, being somebody that lives and breathes in the space yourself? Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I, think, uh, I think it's incredible. I think that more people moving is better than less people moving. And I think low price point options that are not modality specific are a wonderful way to get people moving, right? So like when we think about an Apple offering, unless you have a bicycle or something else, it's typically going to be, you know, some sort of body weight or very minimal uh, tool associated with the content. At least that's what I've seen thus far. I think where Peloton and Echelon and Climber live is there's kind of a tool uh, that the user or modality that the user is using to, to consume that content. And then there's a community created within it. And I think to, um, to, to your earlier example, I mean, you know, sometimes I buy these Apple devices and I'm like, gosh, why is it so expensive? But they're the most successful company in the world. And I think people like the design. It functions. It's a beautiful product. It works, you know, and it's, it's intuitive. And so I'm guilty of, you know, probably every year or so I'll refresh my iPhone. And it's, a, it's an expensive proposition. Now I could go buy a $99 phone um, that runs Android. In my opinion, it looks like a $99 phone um, that runs Android, um, but it still works. Um, 
but I think, you know, there's, you know, there's customer segmentation across the board. There's people that are looking for a high end experience. There's people that are looking for a low end. There's people that want to, you know, play DVD. You know, you could say, hey, I've got a DVD player and I can watch, a, you know, a Tybo video and still get a great workout. Right. I don't need anything to do that. I'm just kickboxing against, you know, the 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 TV screen. So. You know, I think it's about the modality, right? Like, do people like spinning? Do people like climbing? Do people like running? Do people like rowing? I think it's about the quality of the content. Um, and then it's about the quality of the tool itself, right? And so, um, but but generally speaking, I, I, I agree that it's just going to widen everything, right? There, There's just you know, the, the days of, hey, I go to X gym because they're a boutique gym that happened to be in my neighborhood and I pay them $150 a month, um, you, know, you know, Peloton's proven it, right? Like between an affirm payment and your $39 a month, it's less expensive than that experience. Now you own your tool. You have access to a real community with millions of people. Um, and uh, you have access 24 hours, seven days a week. And so I think uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting, and and we're only at the beginning, right? This this uh, this disruption is is a wave um, that that's just getting ready to crest the surface. And so I, I love the idea of big tech like Apple and Google and Amazon coming in because I think it just to Hugo's point gets a wider audience moving. Are you a fitness professional? Need help with managing and retaining your clients? Say hello to Virtual Gym, your all-in-one membership management and coaching software. Keep your members engaged 24-7. Does anybody else want to want to jump in on that one as well? Awesome. Then maybe we can jump on to uh to the to a follow-up question follow-up question. We we first started off uh, where I directed the question to Hugo about the impact of uh, you know lower lower price point tech technology. Now I, I want to go ahead and direct this one to you, Avram, as well. Uh, what will be the impact of companies like Climber to the fitness industry as a whole? Yeah, thank you. So you know we're all about the modality, right? We're about primal movement. You know, every humanity crawls right? Like everybody's born the same way and you kind of use this contralateral cross-curl pattern. Um, and so we're about the, the modality, we're about safety. Um, so whether my mom's on the machine and her workout is like this for five minutes, she's still able to move in a no impact, um, you know, uh, neutral spot, you know, closed loop system and, and produce some movement that's got a great safety associated with it. Um, the second thing we're all about is efficiency, right? So if I'm able to provide you uh, the same result, right? If, if our result is calculated as, as caloric deficit, which is, which is most commonly the case in half the time, you know, that's kind of the argument. So uh, our, our thesis is provide a very high-end and well-designed tool to accomplish those things and have it be something that you know you're proud to see in your you know in your living room in your space right and while it won't be for everyone 
um, we believe that there the you know that there's a significant addressable market uh, across all ages and demographics from people that say, hey, I've I've got low back pain. So in the United States, we have 130 million Americans that don't work out because of you know low back pain. Um, how do we address those folks? How do we get them moving again? How do we rehab people properly? And then how do we address folks that are like, you know, Novak Djokovic is one of our investors, right? The number one tennis player in the world. You know, how, why would he choose to work out on a climber versus, you know, a lot of other optionality that he has? And it's all about body preservation and longevity of the biomechanical system. And so, um, we're thrilled about what we're creating. We're thrilled about the response. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to kind of see, um, we almost see ourselves in a way as disrupting the pre-existing modalities, which, you know, don't really make a ton of sense, but, but are better than not moving in, in our opinion. Great. And I'm looking at, uh, Andrew and Stefan uh, next to have that same follow-up question. I don't. I think it would only be right for me to ask ask you guys as well how you see uh, uh, businesses like Climber and 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 Peloton ultimately shaking up uh, shaking up the industry. In your opinion, I think Aaron and it, and it, let's say with a very nice and very right sentence saying that at the end of the day, it's it's the more you move, the better for in general, right? So. Um, what we see actually is, and I'm, I'm sure Andrew will, will will say, come to the same conclusion. There is a if you look to the figures, and never in in the past twenty years, so many home devices have been sold, like in the past, let's say five, six, seven months. And it's not 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 let's say speaking about secrets. There would have been even more if the, the let's say companies would have been able to provide uh, to provide in or to produce right. So there is um, there is a, a huge demand on stationary home devices, although to 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 challenge the the the, the uh, let's say the call a little bit, I'm not a hundred percent sure if the amount we see currently could not lead to a false assumption in terms of, okay, it's going to be that way for the next five to 10 years, right? There are still, there have been stationary bikes, all kinds of training devices for the past 30 years that mainly ended up uh, as, as let's say, as, as, a, as a device to put on your clothes in the, in, in the, in the, in your, in your <laughs> living room at the end of the day. This is, and you, you're laughing because you know, you have seen that so many times. So this is actually the reason why I have a certain uh, belief that there's a certain difference to the past is that all of a sudden these devices come along with some technology, with some content, with some motivational, uh, let's say, support that keeps end users working out on an, in an easier way. But in the end of the day, to challenge everyone a little bit, it still remains a very monotone movement, right? And whether it's walking, it's running, it's cycling. And personally, I would, let's say, I prefer more the overall strength devices like Vaha, Tonal, or to mention some of these devices, because they offer a much bigger variety and I'm quite sure that we will also see an, um, let's say a growth on this pattern and then this market within the next year months and years definitely 
You can hang a lot more uh, wash on the on the climber, uh, Stefan, than on the the tonal. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's that's actually that's a good one. <laughs> no, jokes, but jokes apart, when I had a look at at the, at the climber, it actually I, I never got in. Could go and get me wrong. I've never got in contact with the product, but it seemed to me that it actually is produced to do something different in addition to the original movement, right? And I like the way that the, the, the monitor has a certain height. So it's very easy to do something in front and harvest on the monitor that it's already there. So uh, for my opinion, looking at it as a fitness pro professional, there's already some, some thinking about using that as a kind of in informational interaction uh, interacting hub. Is that correct, Avram? Yeah, so what we'll see, I mean, I can't share everything, but you're, you're going to see everything from our artificial intelligence uh, in terms of how we look at your body when you're off the climber and how you're going to be able to do weight-based exercises and all of that stuff, all the way to, you know, to me, again, it's about quality of content right like if i'm able to give you the best instructor that happens to live in miami or london or la and you know it, it, to me again it's it's really about the modality right and so but i love them all right again my our our big thing here is is just move right do, do something right even if you're starting with jumping jacks at home right i'd rather i'd rather people do that than anything all the way up to what, what we do, which is more uh, premium, holistic, kind of rich experience. But I think, you know, it won't just be like riding a, you know, so Peloton uh, or Climber or all these other things are not just like riding a bicycle. You can kind of hop off there and you've got yoga and Pilates and all the things that you would find on, uh, on an Apple device, all while being led by um, some very talented folks. And so you're kind of paying for access, uh, you know, to, to that. And I think what we'll do, uh, obviously, when we kind of uh, announce some of the different things we're doing with AI and, and augmented uh, realities um, will be very interesting. And, and you'll, you'll obviously need the device to do that. But if you want to hang clothes on it, you can do that too. <laughs> Probably not something you guys factored into the development and design of the product, though. I presume. <laughs> the idea is is, is that it's a, it's a, a high design product, something that you would like to show off. I mean, when I think about my own home, we have a home gym where we have our bulky treadmill and some of our other stuff in there. And, and what our intention was here is is to design something that's you know that's really you know, kind of beautiful and interesting and, and uh, different to, to kind of call the user in a way to, you know, you feel a little guilty walking by it. I do in the office every day and I'm like, mm, let me just jump on you for two minutes at least so that I can, you know, that I could do that. So to me, it's, uh, you know, it's about function, but it's equally about design. And, and again, that goes back to my conversation. Like I said, I mean, I could easily buy a, $99 phone that functions and, and probably does everything that my iPhone does, but I'd pay $1,000 for the iPhone because it's a beautiful, um, well-designed product that I enjoy, right? So I get enjoyment out of that. 
Yeah, and I think what we're uh, what we're talking about here is uh, the the equivalent of motivation and churn, but out, out of uh, personal home equipment. That's the way that that you quit your your treadmill at home is you just hang your hang your clothing on top of it because it means you're you're actually not using it. But if we're thinking about you know not only models like can uh, connect connected fitness, but just the overall content play uh, as well. How does motivation and churn factor into these new models? And this one's directed to anybody. So you guys can go ahead and jump, uh, jump in on this, uh, jump in on this one. I think it's about having a, a, a really intelligent communication system with your customers, right? Like it's saying, hey, we haven't seen you in two days and, you know, we've got something new to share, right? It's, it's, about, it's about connectivity and it's about whether we're selling a, a bicycle, a treadmill, a climber, a rower. It's about how do we get people moving with the frequency to actually get the results that they're after. And I think, you know, the days of old of here's an elliptical, it sits there, it doesn't communicate to anything. It doesn't really, you know, you know, it's not a two-way device, you know, that that's done, right? I, I think it's now about how do we, you know, how do we create a profile for you at the beginning that tells us, you know, what are your goals? And then how do we, how much do you want us to help you achieve them? Do you want a text message every day? Do you want us to say, hey, you know, you, we haven't seen you in two days or maybe three days and you're not going to hit your goals. So to me, it's really about connecting with your consumer in an authentic and, and regular way. And so I think whether that's a gym, you know, uh, and as a, as, a, as a gym owner myself, uh, you know, it's, it's all about getting people to keep coming back, right? Because that's when they start realizing uh, the best results and, and they become kind of part of that community. Whether that's a virtual community or an in-person community, I think, again, it, it's really about communication. Um, you know, in the days of, you know, just having a device that happens to do something, in, in my opinion, are, are, are done. Yeah, I think to build on that, that's a great point. I think connection for sure. And I think, as you said, Avram, these, these two-way devices, that's, that's almost becoming table stakes now in order to compete. But the idea of, of to take it a step further, the two-way devices, whether you're in a facility or in your home, they allow progression to occur, right? So it's that kind of the carrot out in front where you can help people through a journey and you can help them progress. Where if I look back at some of the, on the home market side, right? There have been a lot of things that have come out over the years, whether they were infomercial products or, you know, commercial products that you would order, you know, after a 90 second spot and pay two grand to get something delivered to your house. They came with this base of this excitement and you'd put it in and then you were left with, what do I do now? Mm. Whereas I think the connection and then the progression that this two-way dialogue affords I think it allows people to stay engaged in a way that wasn't possible that long ago and short of having personal training in a gym or really engaging with staff in a commercial facility. It's the first thing that I've seen that really allows people to, to get plugged into a program and a progression that they can grow with, which keeps them engaged because that's ultimately how you drive results. And that is, you know, we all know we're all shaking our heads. You can't expect to get on a treadmill and, 
you know, run at 30 minutes at the same speed with no incline for six months and get anything out of it, right? You're moving, which is better than sitting, but it's not like your body's going to go through some dramatic transformation. Whereas if you can kind of build this progression and get people engaged, there's something to it that is, it really is sticky, which keeps people coming back for more, which I think is different than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, and it, it actually starts very simply with just collecting data, and uh, and it's it, it's just like you see with all the apps that that happen in, in in the game sector, right? These guys are brilliant in in how to motivate and incentivize the, the, their members in order to keep them ongoing. And, and I, what I foresee is, is something very similar in 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 our industry. So the more we collect data, the more we adapt to their behavior and their training results the more we can harvest on the technologies and not, not even to mention AI as a, as a, as a, on a later stage, but to drive results and, and tr drive improvement and therefore, uh, let's say, improve. Yeah, I got a, a question directed at Hugo, playing a little bit devil's, devil's advocate on, on some of the things that we're, we're talking uh, about right now. I think uh, with, all, with these new models and, and, and technology, and especially at-home technology, one of the things that you mentioned, Andrew, is that uh, what, what the industry is fighting is people being at home on the couch and trying to get people in order to get moving. When you're fighting that, they're on the couch watching Netflix. Netflix is, is and a lot of these other businesses that have been uh, successful within scaling in the spaces are more about being able to get people to consume. Whereas as fitness is something that you really need to motivate somebody in order to engage with fitness. So the question that I have for you, Hugo, is can you motivate people to work out using technology? Uh, and then the follow-up of that is what is the role of technology in motivation? Um, yeah, well, I think the, the loud and clear answer is yes, definitely. Um, but obviously technology in the end is just a means uh, to, uh, to, to achieve a, a certain goal, right? So I, I think that the, the bigger question is what motivates people to work out and how can technology make this affordable, right? Because we know that having a personal trainer works, somebody that says, get off the couch with your lazy ass, um, <laughs> that actually works. So I think the big question is uh, exactly what are the, the various components that drive people to, to get active? Huh? Because by nature, we basically are all programmed to be inactive, huh? to conserve energy, um, because uh, evolution-wise, that was the most uh, um, uh, yeah, best thing to do. That was before... <laughs> Our uh, McDonald's was invented and uh, <laughs> other high caloric foods. Um, and, and yeah, it, it just basically the, the, uh, the, the last hundred years, our lifestyles have become inactive and our foods have become more calorie rich and, and we haven't been able to adapt to that. So that's now giving us uh, uh, health issues. So again, getting back to the question, yeah, there's been a lot of research on, on what's driving uh, people to, to, to get active. And, and, uh, and maybe the, 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 the most simple part is just um, keep being reminded uh, every time. We all know that uh, and the 1st of January, we're all kind of uh, realizing again with our New Year's resolutions, now we're gonna do it. And who forgets it within a month, uh, you get caught up with life 
um, and and there uh, go your goals. So so technology is uh, first and foremost can help us remind. Oh yes, we wanted to get fit. We wanted to look good next summer. So that's an important part. Uh, technology can help us um, get easy access. A big problem with 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 lifestyle change is that is friction in, in, in doing the right things that are good for us. Technology can make this easier by providing us directly what we want, what we need at that moment in time, tailored to, to what we need to do, right? It's, it's like what they say, technology can put our running shoes in front of the door uh, for the next morning, the moment that we get up, because if you have to start looking for your running shoes, that's when you deconnect and you don't go out running. Maybe sounds uh, you recognize this. So this is what technology can do. It can preset the training plan for you to, to do at the gym. Because if you want, if you're in the gym, you have to find out what you need to do. That's already causing a lot of friction. And then you say, well, I'm just going to sit on the bike and I'm going to, to the sauna. And that was a nice workout. Right. Um, and, and then there's there's tons of other things like like social interaction. People are people. We are tribes. People We are a group. People we are driven by by social interaction. So technology can help make fitness social. I, I, I hear so many entrepreneurs say, yeah, people will keep coming to the gym because it's it's social. In my experience, fitness is not social. Some people bring their friend. But beyond that. Uh, that social interaction is often uh, not there. There's a few concepts that really drive this and they are typically highly successful because of it. But building connections using technology, I think is, is, has a lot of potential uh, as well. And, and that also includes uh, peer pressure, right? So when you're working out, other people see what you're doing. So you're pushing a bit harder uh, and therefore getting better results. So th th there's a wide array of, 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 of techniques that, that can, technology can, can apply to, to get our lazy asses uh, moving. Uh, so yeah, I think super exciting that that's, uh, that's going to happen in the, in the, in the next uh, years to come. Awesome, thanks Hugo. And uh, Avram, look, looking at you for that, for that same question, how, how are you looking at tackling, uh, tackling getting somebody in, engaged with the, with the platform rather than just going to that couch and watching Netflix. Yeah, again, I think it's exactly what you said. It's exactly what I said a minute ago. It's, it's, uh, it's an inclusive community that you're designing, right? Whether that's your uncle, your aunt, your cousins, your friends, whatever. And it's uh, doing it as a group, right? It's climbing with your friends. It's climbing with your family. It's meeting new people. If meeting new people is of interest, it, it's, you know, consuming different genres of music, right? Maybe you want to listen to a particular, you know, maybe it's EDM or maybe it's hip hop music. It, everybody's, everybody's consuming things differently. For me, um, I think the real key to it is, can we start people off with just five minutes? right like my big thing is is we all have five minutes in a day can can we just you know start there but again it's all about you know communication and then it's about awards and achievements right when you think i don't know if anybody on the the call has a peloton or has experienced that platform but it's a very rich dynamic environment where 
you know, when you hit your century ride, you know, you're part of a new club and you're getting a t-shirt and you're welcome to the family. And then you're, you know, each, you know, it's about, it's about the journey, right? And so it's about communicating with people over this journey, making it inclusive so that, you know, you, your, your best friend lives in London, but you live in Chicago and you guys can now work out together, right? And kind of compete. Um, you know, that, that's the key. And then it's really about the communication and, and getting a feedback loop from that system to say, hey, we haven't seen you. Um, do, you know, here are three options to, to, get, to get back on there. And, uh, you know, after a while, you're like, okay, God, you know, I got to, you know, like, I, I'll have my settings on annoy me as absolutely as much as you possibly can, right? Because I need that level of motivation. And then there's other folks that, you know, they're, they're already self-motivated. They're going to work out every day, regardless of if a machine reaches out to their cell phone to say, hey, you know, whatever. So I think it's about community. I think it's about uh, and community and communication. Awesome. And, and, and Stefan, maybe starting with you on, on this question then, you know, obviously right, right now we're talking about the role of technology, but, you know, if we're looking at, at the model of gyms and studios, one of the things that's super important is that personal touch. How is that kind of juxtaposed to what we're talking about now and how important is personal touch within, within fitness? And um, are we completely changing that, you know, as we're looking at a virtual world? I don't believe in that. At the end of the day, as 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 Aram actually prescri prescribed already, we are we are human beings. We are let's say no, and, and Yuga did. Um, we are let's say we like social interaction, no matter if it's if it's a real interaction. But we lo we we don't want to be lonely in a certain areas. There is, and we actually like to advise from a human being. There are definitely a lot of opportunities and a lot of. Um, solutions that could replace kind of introduction, support, content providing, but there is nothing at the current stage that supports or let's replaces the, the, the human factor. It, what, what, will, what is going to happen for sure is the, uh, the role that trainers, as we now call them, and have been covered, covering in the past 10, 15, 20 years, the role will change. Because let's say in the past, they were the owners of all the content of, they were the ones designing the training programs. Now, nowadays, nobody needs to design a program anymore. They need to understand what's going to happen, but that's going to be done much better, much more efficient um, from, from a piece of software that actually covers all the results and, and make sure that there is a certain progression behind it. So by definition, the role of the human factor will change more in the communicational part, in the motivational part, and probably in, in more in, in, a, in a sales and linking process to the dedicated project, product or dedicated community. So that's a, it's, it's actually more the, the coming closer to the rule of the glue to getting the, these pieces that at the end of the day create the overall experience getting these pieces together. Interesting. This is a, a perfect segue to one of the audience questions that that came in as well. So, with kind of your with your opinion on that, the question that came in from the audience member then is, what's the role then of the personal trainer then in a, uh, in the future? 
I think generally the same that's been in the past. And the, the, one, of the, the, one of the interesting things is, let's say, looking at the role of technology in, in, in various levels of, of fitness as we see it in Europe, right? We have, we have technology in, in low budgets, we have technology in, in premium uh, fitness clubs, even in personal training. But where the, where the big variance comes from is actually the personal contact between user and, um, and technology. What do you mean? If you remember why, why, how uh, McFit 20 years ago started as, as a low budget, they actually were the first ones using technology in a, in a fitness in a gym floors because you, you entered this, you entered these, this info terminal, you got asked um, several questions, then get your, your customized training program, which by accident was a predefined solution that you could find on the, on the gym floor. But there was some kind of assessment behind it. So from, from the look and feel, people had to go and use technology themselves because it was low budget. On the, on the high end nowadays, the personal trainer, if he's a smart one, will still make sure that he covers and collects the data of what you do, what your target was, how, do, how, you, how, how you felt, um, what, what, what he was speak, what the topics you were speaking about, all these things. But you, as an end user, will not, let's say, be in touch with the, uh, with, with the technology itself. Because, let's say, at the current stage, we're speaking about getting technology in and technology in and technology in. If you look to the history, it, it, the history has worked in pendulums ever since, right? We now have more and more technology. And what, what you can see is there is already a kind of, of back, backlash, backdraft coming, say, okay, there, I need some spaces where I get rid of all this technology. And that would create a dedicated um, business model as well, probably the, uh, the niche for, for the personal trainer, because this is the non-technology, only anal analog um, part of your life that remains, let's say, tidy, more or less. I would like to hear your opinion, Andrew, because you look so... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I'm just thinking through if I agree with because I think really technology should be used if you look at it through the lens of a personal trainer. Technology should be leveraged to help the trainer do their job better, more efficiently, connect with more people, because you, you hear the statistics all the time that the, the most successful commercial facilities in the, in the happiest members are the ones that have several touch points with human beings on the, yeah. the commercials or the, the staff side, right? Whether it's somebody at the front desk saying hello when they check in, somebody handing out a towel, working with a coach or a trainer. So I think technology plays a role and it helps to enable and facilitate connections. And I think from a trainer's perspective, their function, you know, is similar, but they almost need to act as ambassadors for the industry, for the facility they work at. And, and be out there connecting with people on the floor, whether they're a direct client or not, because the facilities that, that really will succeed, you know, succeed and thrive moving forward, you know, tech is going to be a part of it, whether we like to admit it or not. Yeah. The idea of a tech free zone, like it's only going to con continue to proliferate in terms of connectivity, whether it's a watch, your phone, a tablet, a treadmill, a climber, it doesn't matter. It's everywhere. I think we can develop and provide technology to help trainers be more successful because I think they need to, to, to really elevate in terms of being ambassadors for the facility, ambassadors for the industry, and being out there, whether they're working one-on-one, -on -one, if they're working in small groups, 
or they're just walking the facility floor, really enabling communication and connection on a personal touch and, and provide that sense of community. That, that, that's, so I was thinking about it. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think, I think tech plays a, a role whether they like it or not, and they really need to be there to help pull it all together and be yeah. that, that human it. touch point. Without any doubt, without any doubt, that's actually that's what I meant when I said the trainers or the the personal the staff covers the role of the glue. You called it the ambassador, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what I was where Got I was it. heading to. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree, uh, and Andrew. I, I think as such, that the role will slowly uh, evolve uh, uh, from a more technical. Uh, role uh, where trainers are very much involved in in, in, in building the training plans, uh, etc. I think software is going to take over more and more of, of this, and, uh, and 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 trainers will be more educated on uh, motivational coaching, uh, hospitality, uh, things like like that. And uh, yeah, and uh, I completely agree about. Trainers, people are expensive, right? So you wanna you wanna make us much use of people for the touch point part and not for building training plans if you have trainers spending an hour on building a worker plan something is going wrong and i think it's great to see that some of our customers uh, they they have trainers coach up to 200 people at the same time they can use like mass assigned workouts just assigning workouts with a click of a button to 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 certain client groups where that, that have specific tags so that's helping them be so much more efficient in, 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 in what they're doing. And, uh, and that's just the start, right? What, what censoring is going to do is going to bring in so much more data than, than trainers will be able to do. It, it, it will bring trainers to a doctor's level in terms of medical knowledge that's being generated. And it's going to, to make suggestions for those trainers to provide super tailored and super smart uh, advice that they will never or maybe even with extremely high education will be able to to do and that will allow us also as the industry to to expand our coaching to 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 target groups which maybe are outside the scope of the fitness industry so people that have uh, diseases that that require specific uh, needs there where a typical education of a, of a trainer doesn't uh, uh, suffice to to do that responsibly technology can actually have make it a lot easier for for a trainer of any technical uh, uh, level to to help people with diabetes cardiovascular disease etc because uh, through protocolization and smart censoring we know that it can be responsible and i think there's a huge opportunity for the fitness industry to also move more into the curative domain uh, of, of, of healthcare. And uh, that's at least the direction where we really want to push as a, as a company. Yeah, the audience questions are, are really great. A perfect follow-up on that as well, uh, which is about artificial intelligence. So I think what you were saying there, Hugo, is artificial in intelligence has the possibility in order to do workout pr programming in and start taking over some of those responsibilities for the personal trainer. This question is about artificial intelligence in general, uh, open to, to anybody to jump in. What are some of the other ways that, that you guys feel that artificial intelligence will, will affect the future of clubs and the future of customer engagement? Yeah, if I, if I can add, I think it's going to be a game changer because um, 
with AI and, and basically big data. Huh? Um, so, so all the all these apps, all the, the censoring, etc., is is going to generate data, and that will allow us, uh, at least through machine learning, to identify behavioral patterns with uh, uh, with with our customers. Behavioral patterns we are not aware of. Behavioral patterns our customers are not aware of. Uh, but by analyzing that through machine learning, you can actually, uh, um, based on that, start segmenting uh, people into, uh, have, as an example, if you know that, uh, let's say, Mike uh, behaves uh, himself in a certain way. So he starts out in the gym, he indicates he wants to work out three times per week. The first three weeks, he comes three times. The, after that, he starts coming two times. And at some point, uh, Mark is sick, he, he stops coming for a while, he does open the app, maybe does a measurement. With big data, at some point, what you, you're able to do is know, hey, before Mike, we had somebody else who was uh, behaving in exactly the same way, and they churned uh, one month after he stopped coming altogether, or, or two months after. So what, what that will do, if it happens again, it allows us to basically using this data to create predictive models. And, and this is actually something that we we, we, we did and, and are piloting with is analyzing big data. Can we create a predictive model to see, to start predicting if members are going to churn? And once we're able to do that, of course, you can start activating interventions to, to see what's, what's working to prevent them to churn, offer them like a free induction session to remind them of why they join the gym and get, and get them active and successful again. And, and with the, the trial that, that we did a pilot with one of our customers, we were able to predict with 84% accuracy whether or not any particular member was going to churn or not in the next month. So I think that shows the power of data. There's no way that you can look at the particular member and, or look at their usage pattern and that you can make that estimation by yourself as a human. And that's, I think, where the, the, the power of AI can come in, and just as an example. Yeah, I would use another example too. I love that example, Hugo. That's incredible. So congrats on, on what you're building there. That just sounds... Um, very exciting. I think another implication of AI is through camera technology, right? So we can very quickly map uh, you as the human, uh, deduce a significant amount of information. And then through the camera, we can follow your, your movement pattern to say, you know, uh, hey, this, this form doesn't match, you know, here or there. And I think uh, we're, we're gonna start to see a, a significant amount of, of AI camera specific technology being introduced across a lot of these devices that will correct your form in real time, that will help you to realign yourself in your body position, right? So there's, there's, uh, there, there's some, some just fascinating technology um, that, that's able to, to, to be kind of, you know, uh, much more intuitive and, and perfect, if you will, than, than a person evaluating another person saying, hey, it looks like your hips are off, but, you know, uh, the, 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 the AI is, is pretty darn good at it. I, I can tell you that. 
All righty, guys. We looks like we only have time for for one more question, just to kind of wrap it up. This one we can go ahead and and do as a as a round and have each of you answer it in, individually. You know, you guys have all shared a lot of great information as as far as what your thoughts are within the space and as leaders within the space as well. I'm sure others are looking at you know how you guys stay uh, educated and up to up to speed as far as you know what's happening within the industry and how you guys determine the future of your your organizations. So with that being said. Maybe starting with you, Stefan, um, two questions. What resources do you use in order to, to stay informed? And then another question as well is, what's the best advice that you ever, you've ever received? <laughs> okay, starting with that one, because it's the easiest one. The, the best, let's say, advice, let's say, in terms of success with technology as a, as a kind of best case is actually be consistent in the use of technology with your product and what with what you do um, while still being open and adaptive to changes that come from market or competitors. Um, how do I educate? I, I read a lot, I have to admit, um, all kinds of articles. And frankly speaking, as I'm not, I'm not a techie guy, I have a sports scientific background and um, there was one actually one situation where I said, am I still the right person to speak about technology at the age of 50? And it's, it's, a, it's a quite easy situation for us at fitness at the current stage, because we are so far behind if you compare to other industries, right? So from that perspective, it's quite easy to look at other industries and, and the ones that had and how they adapt. And then probably it's even um, an easier one to come in to come, to have an experience in the daily business of a club and having some understanding on technology that allows the 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 creation of something new rather than looking from the tech perspective and don't understand how actually fitness fit servicing people in 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 um, in fitness areas are actually looks like so it's a kind of um, the the, the the, the, the weak point actually proved to be, from my experience, let's say a, quite a quite a strong point. Because you used to say, everything, every nasty shit you probably could do with an end user with something digital. I did it myself as a trainer, which is a, which is the best heritage um, I, I, I'm harvesting on, right? Because it's knowing what is not working with with customers and knowing what people potentially make may go may may go wrong. Is a, it's a, it's a huge asset and provides let's a lot a lot of a lot of mistakes and a lot of frustration that's been out there because in generally coming close and getting close together um, for my opinion and then let's say recognizing what happens in our market the most of the people starting projects on getting digital they they think that if I buy something if I implement something that's digital. I'm done. The nasty story is the moment you start, you start with the technology, you're on a journey that will never end and that even accelerates the way you need to change and you need to adapt. And this is something that most people, at least in our industry, have not really, uh, let's say, inherited. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, Avram, how about, how about yourself? Let me know if you want me to repeat the questions. Yeah, uh, the for the second question. So well, do, please repeat the question, sorry. You got it. Yeah, so the question is, 
Questions are, what's the best advice that you've ever received? And what resources do you use in order to stay informed and, and educated as a leader in the space? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be super brief, but I would say best advice I've ever gotten uh, was, you know, work hard uh, with persistence. Nothing takes the place of, of, of that in a life. And uh, the second thing is I've got an extra, I'm very grateful. I'm, I've got an extremely talented team of investors and employees that uh, we have, we're extremely collaborative. And so I like to think, you know, while we live in the present moment, we're, we're conscious consumers of the future. Um, and, uh, and, and each day I will get, you know, readings or articles or whatever um, uh, filtered over to me and, and love, you know, love consuming all of that stuff. So that's, that's me. Thanks, Avram. Uh, how about yourself, Andrew? Best book? And then resources that you use to stay informed and educated. Yeah, so they, they kind of go hand in hand. And, and one that kind of the, the, the best advice is talk less and listen more, right? And I think that's applicable in, in any, any facet of life. And that's one I have to work on every day. <laughs> um, but, but reality, I think where we do a lot of our learnings and is really peer networks, the net, you know, my, my personal network, and then customers. You know, and I, I view customers as part of that personal network. And um, our industry is not that big when we, we, we take a step back and look at it through through the lens of the, the world, right? And so there's a lot of really smart people in our industry, whether they be, you know, other manufacturers, customers, um, tangential suppliers, things like that. And I find that a lot of, of the best learning and the best ways to, to facilitate growth professionally, as well as, you know, within, within our business is by by paying attention and really listening to the discussions because sometimes it's what's not said that really spark those aha moments. Uh, you know, and I can point to several examples as we've developed products that may born out of conversations with customers and, 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 and industry insiders and, and trusted advisors that you stand around a, a sample and you review something and things come out and, and really the, the most impactful things have been things that have been born out of discussions that were had and you realize people were, were talking about things and they weren't coming out and directly stating what the problem was. Mm -hmm. But through the conversation, you were able to hone in on really what the underlying issue was, because a lot of times people have a hard time identifying that. And so for, for us, it's really listening to the customer, listening to the, the other advisors in the network and really paying attention and listening to what's said, but most importantly, what's not being said. Thanks, Andrew. And Hugo. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I would definitely uh, agree on on reading uh, as much as possible. I love reading uh, business books on whatever topic. I think it's super inspirational and, and helps you get better every uh, every single day, basically. Um, but yeah, I I would say that the, the best advice, if I have to pick one, uh, I love uh, the the sixteen rules for success from uh, Bob Parson. He's the founder of uh, GoDaddy uh, hosting services. I think he's a, he's a rock star. And uh, he has this list, 16 rules for business success. And, and one of those is uh, the moment when, when you feel uh, most ready to quit uh, is, is the moment that you are closest to your success. Uh, and, and I think that's really all about uh, uh, hanging in there. 
Uh, my brother uh, and I, I co-founded the, the business together with my brother. We took three and a half years before we started making money with our business. So we were paying ourselves 1,200 euros uh, gross. That's like $1,400 per month uh, after coming out of a job as a lawyer. So that was pretty uh, tough, but we always kept believing. And and because we, we kept going and, and, and uh, we were able to make many mistakes before we found, we found that product market fit. So uh, I've been feeling like ready to quit for, for three and a half years, but then my success <laughs> came. So I, I, I love that advice. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time in order to, to join us today. I'm sure that everybody listening at home had the opportunity in order to take a lot of nuggets from this conversation. We really appreciate you all joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of How to Grow Your Fitness Business. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel on Google, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. We feature a brand new guest each episode and share thought-provoking insights into the fitness industry. Head over to business.virtuagym.com backslash podcast for more information and catch you next time.